Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Customer research, customer interviews, voice of customer, whatever you choose to call it, this is something that many companies think that they're doing. But in reality, most are just trying to create a setting for hearing what they want to hear from their customers for collecting testimonials, and ultimately for selling them more stuff. In today's conversation, my guest, a deep expert in voice of customer with well over 10,000 hours of customer interviews under his belt, will talk about what voice of customer work really is, how to do it right, and how to put what he calls customer outsights to work in a way that will benefit both you and your customers. Let me introduce him. Dave Loomis is a founder and president of Loomis Marketing, which provides consulting on branding, innovation, and digital transformation. Over his career, Dave has worked with numerous Fortune 500 companies, including DuPont, GE, Goodyear, IBM, Motorola, and Xerox. He's also counseled leaders and individuals on how to apply marketing best practices to themselves, strengthening their personal brands within their companies and communities. In 2020, Dave authored the book, Marketing is Everything We Do, and since 2021, has been the co-host of the B2B Marketing and Sales Podcast. Previously, Dave served as Chief Marketing Officer at Dix and Eaton, one of the country's largest independently owned public relations firms. There, he helped clients craft their brands and helped individuals proactively manage their public reputations, especially in the digital world. For 15 years, Dave worked at the holding company office of NACO Industries, a $3 billion public diversified company. Dave began his career in Chicago at Leo Burnett, one of the world's largest ad agencies. He attended Northwestern University as an undergrad and graduate student, obtaining his MBA from Kellogg, consistently rated as the top business school in the world for marketing. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Joe. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I should be saying welcome back to the show. You're one of eh, maybe eight or 10 guests that has made a, a second go round on this podcast after 170 okay. some episodes. So wow, it's, uh, well, good. I'm very honored. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you back here for sure. And I love I love the topic we're going to get into here today. It's something that I think we're both passionate about and you, you at another level, uh, having kind of devoted so much of your career to this idea of voices, voice of customer work. You know, we at, at my agency, Gorilla76, are, we, we are just huge on listening to the customer, doing proactive work to hear what our clients' customers are actually saying, what matters to them, et cetera. And I think the way you look at this is even a, a level up from the way we do. So Looking forward to kind of continuing our conversation here and getting into some more subtopics of voice of customer. 
Yeah, I can't wait. It's a, a topic near and dear to my heart for sure. I, I Malcolm Gladwell talks about the ten thousand hours, and mm-hmm. and I, I kind of worked through it, and I definitely have ten thousand hours of customer interviewing under my belt, which is a lot of hours, actually. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That sure is. Yeah. So it comes naturally now, and so the, that's what I'm continuing to to focus on. Awesome. Well, voice of customer is a term that I think a lot of people listening, they know what that means, or they think they know what that means, I should say. And, you know, others that maybe may have no idea what what we're even talking about here. So I'd like to just sort of start by having you define voice of customer, but let's let's do it this way. Tell us what the difference is between most people, what most people think of as voice of voice of customer work and how you would define what it actually is. That's a great question and a really good starting point. Because I think there is confusion out there. I've met Abby Griffin a few times. She's the person who uh, actually invented the term voice of customer. And she told me that she she came up with the word uh, in as it relates to new product development. So that's how it that's actually how it started. And it was trying to uh, understand customer needs uh, so that a company could, more effectively create products and services that fulfill that need. That's the context that it was created under. Now it's evolved to a lot of different things. And I I probably define it a little bit differently, more broadly than she does. But but as it is right now, there's a lot of companies that think they're doing voice of customer work. And what, what they're doing is actually they're saying, oh yeah, our salespeople are out there all the time. You know, they've got their ear to the ground type thing. In other words, they're out there talking to people. They know their cust- they, they know their customers supposedly, and and maybe we've got service techs out there that go out there. So they're actually defining it. Do we have? Do we come in contact with customers? Not are they really getting voice of customer research? And the, the, I think the term research is important. And um, as we might, maybe we'll get into it a little bit later, I think the objective as to what you're doing is really important. But to me, voice of customer interviewing is one of many types of market research that that we should all do as, as you know, B2B business professionals. But Mine, my take on it is very specific, and I define it much more as qualitative research and really going deep to to understand customer thoughts, behaviors, whatever, according to that objective. So it's very purposeful. It's a purposeful thing that you're doing. Not just sort of, oh, by the way, I'm I'm a salesperson and I'm selling to you. And you told me, you know, offhand that you wanted such and such. And I told my R&D department. That's not voice of customer, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. When we talk about, I mean, we don't necessarily approach it as in my agency and, and as voice of customer call it that we talk about customer interviews a lot just sort of what you know, something yeah. we do with with our clients and regardless of whether it would align with how you describe it i think the mindset i have to get our clients into is they, they default to thinking of like when are we doing those testimonial interviews and it's, no 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 we're not, we're not that's not what we're doing here we're not this is customer research this is us trying to not not going to your customers, trying to get them to talk about how great you are, 
that's a different thing. That's great. We're in that, that serves a different purpose. And maybe some of these voice to customer interviews or customer interviews, whatever you want to call them, will lead to a follow-up where we say, you know, would you mind getting on and talking and giving us a testimonial? But that's not where we're starting here. The, what we're trying to do is learn what actually matters to these people? You know, what does their buying process look like? What are the things they were challenged with when they, you know, got triggered to go into the buying process? What did your customers or what did your competitors have to say that they liked or didn't like? What did you have to say that they, you know, they liked and didn't like? And um, we're, we're trying to sort of get into their their mind so we can understand them better. And and for our purposes as a marketing agency, it's so we can go back out and we'll bring that stuff back into you know, product development into, you know, thinking about how we do customer service into, you know, how we craft the right message to go to market with, to reach other people who look like them. So that's the, you know, the angle that I'm coming at it from with my company. But I guess the point I'm getting at here is that there's a mindset shift that you have to get into here, right? It's not about hearing about how great you are from somebody or creating an opportunity to sell them something else. It's about, understanding the customer better really is what's at the core of it. It, Exactly. And actually you said it in a way, it's a mindset shift on both sides. It's a, it's a mindset shift on our side, but also the customer side, because they're not used to meeting with you and you not selling them something or you not like solving, like, like trying to figure out a, a solution of, of, you know, how to fix something or how to, you know, create an enhancement of a, you know, performance characteristics about something. So, you know, you have to actually remind them a few times, no, 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 this is about you. This is open-ended and this is, this is about hearing from your perspective. So it's, it is a little bit different. I know that you are working on your second book about this topic, Voice of Customer. What's it called? What's it all about? Yeah. So my first book, was very general and it touched on voice of customer as part of sort of a whole innovation process and and uh, that we engage in with our customer base in B2B. This book is going to take a deep dive just in this qualitative voice of customer interviewing. And it's called Customer Outsight, not Insight, but Outsight. And uh, the reason why I came up with that term which is uh, basically waiting the trademark office, the answer from the trademark office, but hopefully that'll uh, that'll come through. But well, kind of pet peeve, just the word insight has been just over overused also, right along with VOC. Everybody thinks they have insights and they're getting insights and all that. And a lot of times I think that's exactly what it is in a way, insight, as in, you know, from your own internal viewpoint, like as a company. And I'm convinced that there's, there's, you know, it's sort of black and white, but there's two kinds of companies out there. You know, one is, hey, I really want to make a lot of money and I want to sell a lot of my stuff to do that. Let me just figure out how to do that. And, and honestly, some companies, in order to do that, become what they, they call customer focused. Because they know that customer focus is going to help them sell more. But it's still it's still coming at it from their own perspective. You know, public companies have to make quarterly numbers, but it, it, private companies still, there's often a lot of pressure once you have all that overhead to sell the stuff that you make. I mean, I get it. You know, I'm in business too. Um, so 
that's valid. But the other type of the company, the t- the type that I believe I want to sort of foster, is that they believe so strongly in helping their own customers with their jobs, with their success, that that those cust- the customer's success becomes your success. Like if you focus on that and you do a great job, you're going to be profitable. The profit will follow. So it's not, that's your goal and your compensation and success and success for all your employees and everything else is an outcome. It's not the goal in and of itself. And so what outsight to me is changing that perspective from our own internal view, that insight to getting true outsight. And I have just sort of like a a device that I picture in my mind, a pair of binoculars, you know, this is what a lot of companies say, oh, I'm just going to look closer at the customer. We're going to put them under, you know, look in the, under a magnifying glass or, or with, you know, these binoculars. And, and to that, I say, great. It's still from your own perspective. Take those binoculars and hand them over to your customer and have them look at you through it. And then you ask them some questions and see, you know, what they say, and then ask them to look around, look inside their own company, look at their marketplace. And obviously it's an analogy, but I think it works because it helps people realize, oh, maybe there's more that I can do to get into my customer's shoes and see things from their perspective. Yeah. I like, I like that concept a lot. And I know inside of the the book, Customer Outside, you've outlined, I think, four steps that you use to uncover real customer insights. You want to yes. kind of talk through those at a high level, and then I'll have you come back around after and kind of break them all down in detail. Yeah, absolutely. So my goal is to share as much of my knowledge as possible, even though I'm a, I'm a practitioner and I do a voice of customer work for a living in this interviewing, I have no reason to keep this all to myself, even though I've done, you know, I've done all this work and learned the hard way and and I've got processes, but I want to, I want to share the tools because I think the world's a better place and our B2B companies are a better place if, if we can, you know, adopt this and, and, and use this. So these four steps are, are four F's that we can remember, um, fix, which is, um, we'll get in, we might get into if you want to go into detail, but, um, uh, fix as in uh, fix your sights on something. If you picture those binoculars, you're looking at something and focusing it. Um, so fix, focus, um, which I just said, find and fuel. And I'll I'll go through uh, each of those if you're interested. Yeah, let's do that. Why don't you start with number one in this methodology, which you said is fix, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So a lot of people think of the word fix as in, yeah, I'm going to fix something because it's broken. Um and what I really mean in this is, is fix your sights. And by that, I mean, you need to set an objective for what you're doing. So it's not just like, oh, we need to do voice of customer because somebody told us to do it, or we need to do customer interviewing. And gosh, let's just, let's just come up with like a bunch of questions on a survey and we'll get them to take it and it'll be kind of like customer sat type stuff. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm t- you mentioned actually three you mentioned a whole bunch of them, you know, that your own agency does. And and they were a means to an end. 
like they had it was it was to understand something better so that you could write better content or uh, relate better to the target market or get people's attention or whatever it is that we're doing you're getting that customer input you know so that you can do that so my first there's within four fix uh focus find and fuel there's three sort of elements to each of those so there's 12 total and i've created almost like sort of a compass around it which is kind of a visual for it but the three within within each of them go a little bit from broad to specific so un, under fix i'm saying look you need to set your objective it's very important you could do this for all sorts of reasons you could be doing it for what's your value proposition what do people really think is it what you say on the website <laughs> or or is it something else in your customers view or maybe it's competitor info or pricing or maybe it's the sales process which you mentioned before which is a one of the most common reasons that people hire me to do voice of customer work cuz that's a it's a hard thing to really understand when you're so close to it and and it changes it changes a lot people reorganize they change their sales processes all the technologies changing where people get their information from um so you got your objective then you've got to set a target and by target i mean really like what is the target market that you want to look at you know if you're doing product innovation you really want to look at a group of companies that are using your product in a very similar way if you're doing value proposition maybe you want actually a collection a sprinkling of across different sizes or types of customers just to to get that sort of survey type view and then the third is meet is the actual meeting or the people that themselves like you've got to actually like go through the logistics of setting it up just like anything else there's <laughs> you got to you got to have your vision and then you got you got to work your plan and you got to get it set up so that's fix it's like actually what are we doing who are we doing it for and like very specifically who do we, who are we going to talk to what's our plan right it all makes perfect sense and so that's step one of four fix where do you go after that what's the second f so once you've got it set up then you really have like these customer interviews and they might be on the phone they might be on zoom they might be in person they might be wherever you can catch your customer it might be in the field i know a lot of people are out and about doing work, maybe even at a trade show, walking around with one of their customers or in a booth, or maybe they are um, at a job site, you know, in the construction industry or, or at a plant or a warehouse, who knows, wherever you can get them. And there's three steps to this too. And uh, I think they're very interesting. They're, they're not the usual, I think, things that you might think about because a couple of them are sort of in your own mind. You talked about a mindset shift. And to me, uh, the, so the the first one is intention. So focus your intention. And what is your intention? Because it has to do with your objectives, but there's another very, very important element to this. And that is that if you, if if your customers that you're interviewing think that you actually care and you're curious and you really want to find out what they have to say that is the maybe the most important thing about 
all of this because they'll open up to you and they'll share it with you and talk to you, whether it's you or a third party or whatever. If they think you're doing it to check a box or to do it so that you can just sell them more, you know, of, of whatever you make, then that comes across too. So, you know, set your intention and your intention that you're going to listen, you know, you're going to listen to them. You're not going to be the one talking a lot. Your open-ended questions, that sort of thing. So the second is attention. So focus your attention. You're in the meeting and you really need to make sure that you are paying attention, which is a big part of listening, but there's all sorts of rules and tricks and sort of things that I've learned about how to manage that conversation so that they open up and you get what you're looking for as well. Mm-hmm. And then the the third is the questions themselves, which are very important. In some cases, a lot of what I do is is quite open ended, and the questions come from probing the answers that they're giving. Which that is the ultimate compliment to somebody because it proves you're listening. Mm-hmm. If I if 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 all the questions that I'm asking you have to do is something that you just told me. And I'm just digging, digging deeper and, you know, then, hey, I care. I'm interested. I'm curious. I'm, I heard you and I continue to hear you. If all my questions are, I just, oh, yep, I got that one. I'm moving on to my next question. Then it feels like a survey to them. You might as well have hired a, a call center to go. Ex- you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when you do it this way, People are so surprised, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of this call, you've done these. They thank you, you know, oh, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending so much time with me. Yeah. You know, like you did them a favor, whereas really they were doing you a favor, you know, mm-hmm. by, with their time. But you can have it turn out that way. Well, that's that's a really great point, too, because, I, you know, I think of when... As an agency, we help our clients. Like we do this for a lot of our clients. We talk to their customers on their behalf, and and when we get pushback about this, a lot of our clients are very open to it. They understand the value of doing this and talking to their customers and getting these insights. But sometimes we get some pushback from our clients saying, "Ah, I don't, I don't want to be bothering our customers," and you know, you guys don't really know them. And I, I get that. I get that hesitation for sure. But I think what you just said is the same sort of the same sort of thing we tend to hear back after a really good interview is they were thrilled to talk because the questions that were asked were insightful. There were good follow-up questions being asked. They felt like they were being truly listened to. And that's that's a completely different feeling on, on their end than if you had just been cranking through a list of preset questions. It it really it really is so different. And it's hard to explain to one of our clients about it before it happens, but it really is true. I I mean, I literally, even today, just got off a call a few minutes before we, we recorded this and the person was thanking me up and down. And honestly, it's making my client look so much better. 100%. I, and I, I had another client tell me that, oh yeah, I'm interested obviously in the feedback we got from the clients but just the fact that we did it it proves that we give it that that we give a darn they didn't use the word darn they used another word but you know it it, it 
they liked the fact that it came across so well. And then the clients, when they saw this owner was saying, oh my gosh, I talked to that so-and-so. It was such a good conversation. You know, you guys really have your act together. So that's, that's a good thing. So fix and focus. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I'm really excited to announce an incredible event our team at Gorilla76 will be co-hosting in late January and early February of 2024 in Austin, Texas, just for marketers in the manufacturing sector. I'm going to hand it to our strategist, Peyton Warren, to give you the details. Hi, I'm Peyton Warren, strategist at Gorilla76. Over the past few years, our team has been running twice per month digital learning events for industrial marketers called Industrial Marketing Live. It's been a huge success, and we're seeing 50 to 100 manufacturing marketing folks show up regularly. But one thing this group has told us is that they've been itching for a live, in-person event just for them. Well, we're super excited to be teaming up with True Marketing and Cadena's Part Solutions to deliver exactly that. January 31st through February 2nd of 2024, we'll be co-hosting the Industrial Marketing Summit in Austin, Texas. We have an incredible lineup of speakers for day one who will be covering topics that include SEO in the dawning era of AI, high-impact product marketing, elevating the role of marketing within your manufacturing organization, and giving out a demand generation playbook for B2B manufacturers. And that just skims the surface. On day two, we'll be conducting in-depth breakout sessions to go deeper on some of these key topics and help you apply them inside your own organizations. Not only will this be an intensive learning event with some of the sharpest minds in the industrial marketing space, but we'll be hosting social events in the evenings with great food and venues for networking with other manufacturing folks who are trying to solve the same kinds of marketing challenges you are. We're limited to 300 seats, so visit industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more and reserve your ticket. We'd love to see you in Austin. So these are the first two steps of we're talking through a four step methodology for yes. uncovering customer insights right now. We got fix, we got focus. What's number three? Three is find. And you're going to probably have some little wake ups and little light bulbs will go on during the conversation. But a lot of it comes afterwards from looking back on that in, in on an, an individual conversation, but really looking across a number of conversations. And trying to find, first of all, I feel like there's sort of three levels of information that we can find. One is I call them like little gems. They're like sort of individual little things that it's like, wow, that's an incredible quote. That's an incredible view into their world. Like we just learned something that's so interesting. We never knew that you did that or you did it that way, or you you felt it, or that was your sales process, or or that was your impression of us or our value proposition. So there's lots of little gems that we find. If you look at those across these interviews, patterns emerge. And that's that's the beginning of where the power of this is. Because in a lot of ways, your client or you, if you're listening and want to do some voice of customer, you know, you might, you, you could try to argue with what customers say, but you know, you really can't because perception is reality. Like if, even if what they said is completely wrong in your, in your mind or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's not wrong to them because that's how they perceive it. So then that that's actually 
telling also in that we need some education. We need to, you know, get them to understand the situation better or what have you. But it's all illuminating. And um, so these patterns emerge and they could emerge across market segments. They could emerge across, um, you know, any any number of, of areas. And then the third is story, because I feel like you're, you want to find a story buried in, in this. So it comes from gems, patterns, and eventually a story emerges. And that's, that's what I like to tell instead of regurgitating feedback from these, you know, here's the transcript, go for it. You know, um, I like to pull all this stuff out and create a story, which is what's happening. What's happening in the marketplace now? What are the trends affecting and the influences in the macro and micro way? And, and then what does that mean for us? Like what's the implication for you know our clients or or for the companies that we're working with that that we could do actions we could take you know as a as a result of learning this and understanding that story because the story's bigger than us mm. it's it's usually it's usually a whole marketplace if not the global economy local economies but a, a, in a niche market that that probably all your listeners are in you know their little world and you know, some companies are incredibly influential within that within that marketplace, but still the story is bigger than us. Yeah, I really like this step of find, you know, the way we talk about it with our customers is, you know, we're going to conduct this set of interviews with six or eight or 10 of your customers that kind of you know, resemble the types that, you know, you want to rep, be able to replicate and we're going to come in with some hypotheses from what we, we know uh, about you know, talking from talking to you and we're going to look to validate certain things. And we're also going to be looking for things that will be complete surprises to us. And we're going to start to see trends, like you said, and patterns that emerge. Like you're going to confirm some things you believe to be true. You're going to hear the opposite in some cases, maybe, or somewhere in between. And there will be things that you never thought people would talk about. And all of a sudden you hear that from two or three or four people, maybe in slightly different words, or sometimes even the same words. And all of a sudden you've got I was going to say insights. Maybe I should say outsights. That uh, we, <laughs> there you go. We would <laughs> got to get this. Start playing up this brand, right? Right, right. You're you're becoming an outsider. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, those those trends and patterns are kind of big reason why why you do this. Because if you're hearing it in one place or two places or three places, and there's a whole market of ten thousand companies and fifty thousand you know people out there or whatever it might be that. Sim maybe thinking similar things like we need to know that stuff so we can in, in our case help help craft message messaging that will resonate figure out what content is going to be required to support that messaging and what's worth actually making an investment in in terms of uh, content creation and so it really gives you a head start it lets you do a lot less guessing about what and, and making you know, going into your marketing program with assumptions about what you think matter to your customers and gives you something real to build on. Yeah, I had one client who they'd invested very heavily in the IT side of things, mm -hmm. and they're, they're a, a service company that with with sort of a software element, but but it's a professional services company. And if you looked on their website. They had, it was very sort of advertising speak 
but it was it was really centered around the technology and they said there were things like the perfect tech the perfect union of technology and humanity like you know big statements like that and i found through doing all these customer interviews that well first of all i i I found that (laughs) i also found on the website that the company aside from the technology which was like the main thing there were like 50 other benefit statements i think 55 benefit statements that i found that were about different things we're the best value we're the best we're the best price we're the best um you know we're the fastest we're the this we're the that you know everything under the sun you can imagine so if you're everything you're sort of nothing from a positioning standpoint but they were really hanging their head on this technology and all the customers, they said, oh, yeah, that's table stakes. We we expect that. If they didn't have that, like, well, well, then we really wouldn't, you know, keep including them and in our piece we have to do. And, you know, we wouldn't keep working with them. So we expect that. Oh, well, then what really makes a difference? Well, Cheryl, our rep, and they would call this rep by their name and they would barely use the company's name. They would just refer to everything to their rep's name and how incredible this rep was going the extra mile. They really cared and they always brought back information that could be trusted. Like Mm. those are, you know, people process results. So three things that the company wasn't really highlighting. And then they did in the future. After this, they changed everything on their website and uh and their their marketing and positioning and messaging love it yeah well dave we're talking about a four-step methodology for uncover uncovering real customer insights we've talked about number one fix number two focus number three find tell us what number four is four is fuel and it's actually a good segue from what we were just talking about because i mentioned that that company changed things up as a result of what they learned you know what they found Mm -hmm. and so fuel, I mean, as in you're going to apply what you learn. So if if fix it, fix focus find fuel is you know planning the actual meeting, then you know the analysis, and then this is the application of it. And that's that's what are you going to do with this now? Because you started out with this mindset saying I'm going to change perspective. I'm going to help my customers' business. Now I've figured this out. What am I going to do? you know, <laughs> to to help their business and our business. And so you can use this information you learn to fuel, first of all, your content, which you mentioned, which is what you you do at your agency. It's actually hard to even imagine like trying to come up with content and a strategy and an approach without customer interviews. Without really, you know, it, it's just, uh, and and by the way, I haven't mentioned it yet, but sort of inherent in here, when I, when I say customer outsight or customer interviews, I, that's, that can be pretty broad. There's a lot of C's in VOC. So when I do this kind of work, I'm always starting with some internal interviews of the actual company itself before I go external. And then when I do, do go external, it's not just customers. It could be their channels of distribution. You want to talk to distributors and, and wholesalers and those sort yeah. of people, influencers, reps, 
consultants, you know, you name it, customers, sometimes that customer is not the end customer. There's mm-hmm. a customer's customer and maybe even an end user eventually. So don't stop at just keep a broad definition. But the fuel you can use for content, you can use it for strategy, for for for, for your strategy and a collaborative strategy with the customer to help them. And then really just engagement, engagement that, what does that mean? It just means that you're closer to them as a result of this, having gone through this process and maybe even making this process continuous to some extent so that you have a baseline and and you sort of keep doing it to update it, either different objectives or you're, you're just kind of going around and continuing to just almost as a culture, getting this information so that it becomes very natural part of of your of your business. Oh, I I love it. I think that's great. You know, you want to come out of this with some very clear applications, and um, yeah, when we do it, being a marketing agency, it's mostly for messaging purposes and to help our clients figure out their content strategy, messaging strategy. But I think if you look at it more broadly as an organization, you know, it can affect. Not only that, but you know how you talk internally, it can affect our product R and D for sure. I mean, all these insights coming back about what actually what people actually want from you can have a major impact on just how you think about going to market and how you might evolve your, your products to or services to better serve them around what they actually care about. So I think there's a lot of a lot of fuel that can come out of this throughout different parts of your company. I think so too. I also think that there's so much talk right now about employer branding when it, mm-hmm. uh, because of the our goal to retain attract and retain people. 100%. And so we can turn this process in on ourselves as companies and interview you know if you're HR professional or the CEO, and you're ta- you know working with HR on retention and actually just even employee engagement. Why not use the outside process to interview your own people mm-hmm. about what's going on? Because it's we're we're guilty of the same thing. I mean, our HR department, you know, oh gosh, you know, we come up with all these things that we think are reasons why people work here. And we put on these things and we say these things and we we probably put signs up to try and get people psyched and remind them of our mission, vision and values and those sort of things. But how true are those when it comes to the actual people that are on the receiving end and helping us day to day? We can learn a lot and they say things in their own way, you know, maybe not in our speak. We just kind of get in our own worlds and 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 use a lot of words that you know our industry uses but maybe they say things differently and and then once you start saying it that way maybe that helps with our retention and our attraction yeah. of new people on our the way we write our job descriptions and the way what we say on the careers part of our website and and all that Heck yeah. I mean, we, we conduct, uh, my, you know, my business partner, John kind of runs the people side of our business and I'm more in the world of marketing and sales for my company, but 
he and uh, Elise, who is essentially our HR director, they run stay interviews with our co- our internal employees. They call them stay interviews? They call them stay interviews. Instead yeah. of exit interviews? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we do these on an ongoing basis with our existing team. And they could tell you a lot more about the details of the questions that are asked, but it's not really so different from conducting customer interviews. It's helping it's us gather real insights about like what... What do people actually care? Like, why are why are you still here? You know, you've been here for three years. Why are you still here? Um, what you know, what are the things that are that that are bothering you? What are the things that you change? What are the things that you know would would make you leave? Frankly, and we get a lot of really great stuff out of these. I think you got to you know really think through how you ask those and those those questions and and what they are. We also use an anonymous platform called Office Vibe, which I would recommend anybody listening check out and sort of drips questions out throughout the week and helps you gain a pulse on how, you know, in terms of, of you know, just general employee health and wellness and relationship with your manager and like problems that you're having that it gives people a platform for t- talking anonymously. So we don't know who's answering them and, and it helps you gather insights that um, people may have otherwise been not as inclined to share. Have you ever taken action as a result oh, of all what the you learned from that? Constantly, yeah. Because it's the same thing. It's when you see patterns and trends, and all of a sudden this person says something, or maybe our ENPS, like our employee net promoter scores, is dipping. And it almost in correlation with that, almost universally, there's you start to hear things like the chatter starts popping up and you start hearing things about people feeling overworked or, you know, a couple customers that are really dragging us down. And we kind of know this stuff, but then you start to hear it more and more and it sort of validates the things you're you're thinking. And so, you know, I may be on a little bit of a tangent here, but I when you brought up the idea of employer branding, I just think there's a lot of parallels between thinking about your customers and thinking about your internal people, especially, you know, this is a manufacturing podcast and there's no bigger challenge right now in manufacturing than just the workforce challenges, finding the right people, retaining them. And so I think all this stuff can really yeah. be applied and it, sh- it just shows you're listening, right? Like that's the other thing. Like we're listening, we care. Exactly. So, so I, on Friday, last Friday on NPR, I heard this interview with somebody, it was about workforce and retention. And this person owned a call center business. And the, 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 the person who was being interviewed he was obviously very passionate about all of it and passionate about his employees. And so went to all these lengths to study these different HR methods and things that they could do to employ, to, to retain employees. And so he learned about it. He went to all these conferences and then he would employ, he would, he would, you know, put these things in place. And then lo and behold, he said, well, it didn't help retention at all. <laughs> and I kept thinking in my head, uh, you could probably ask them. And then he said, then we did it again. And it was another two-year program using a different method. And it helped a lot of things, but it didn't help retention at all. And I'm like, you need to talk to them. I'm like saying it out loud, you know? And, And then he goes, finally, we decided, hey, why don't we ask our employees? Why don't we ask them what they want and what their situation is? And actually, as it turned out, he said they were all um, probably pretty low on the spectrum of economics in terms of their own income levels and the way they were living. 
And the company was trying to sprinkle all these fancy incentives at them, but they just wanted like to be able to like put food on the table. And, and second of all, and this is probably the most important thing. And I was thinking this the whole time. He's like, yeah, I want people to make a career of this. And it's like, I don't think people necessarily go into a call center job thinking that that's a career, isn't it a stepping stone? And that's what he ended up finding out. And so they ended up creating this special program that they're doing now where intentionally it's like two years. And then at the end, you sort of quote unquote graduate. In other words, you can leave the company. Mm. Like, but we've trained you and prepared you Mm -hmm. for different things, but at least we got you for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Even though we know we're going to, and so that's almost like turning his company into like a mini community college or something. It was like fascinating, but I'm glad he finally came around and said, Hey, why don't we ask our own people? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's one of those th- examples of you don't know that you can't just make assumptions about what people care about. And you, he never would have gotten to that. I'd almost consider that a you know, a product development right, right there, right? Like he completely changed the way he goes about hiring his his employees and the program he puts them through as a result of list just straight up listening, asking questions and thinking about what to do with that. Yeah, exactly. And and I know it's internal. So if you think about the term outside, I know it was like sort of applies to sort of outside of us, like customers and that sort of thing. But I still think it could be like outside of you personally, whoever you are, the CEO or the head of HR or the department of HR, and you picture those binoculars that you've been using to try and study everything. And you could hand them over to an employee and say, hey, you look through these you know, and yeah. see what, what do we look like? It's like your vibe thing. That's exactly what it does. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Dave, we've been going for a while here. We could probably keep talking all day, but I, I think we, we, we could put a, probably put a wrap on it here. So I, I, it's a really great conversation. Love picking up where we left off. I love where you're taking your new book. Can you tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you and maybe when they can expect to see customer outside on, on the market? Yes. So a couple things. I have a podcast right now, which is going to be coming to a conclusion after probably close to 100 interviews over the past couple of years. And so we'll be starting a new podcast called Customer Outsight. So take a look for that. There'll be updates. My I have a website, loomismarketing.com. And I'm this is easy because I'm Dave at loomismarketing.com if you want to get in touch with me. And the books next year sometime, these things do take a little bit of time, but I'm going to start sprinkling out the contents of the book beforehand. I, I'm going to be right starting a series of, of uh, articles and videos on LinkedIn, which will be coming out. They may be out by the time this podcast gets aired, actually, because it's uh, just about to drop the first one, um, which is sort of the intro. And so you can find me on LinkedIn, David Loomis. Loomis Marketing, and then look for that the beginning of the of the customer outside uh, articles. Awesome, Dave. Well, yeah, again, really, really good conversation. Congrats on uh, being close on your new book. I'm looking Thank forward you. to reading it when it's out. And um, yeah, I guess uh, we could probably put a wrap on this one. So I appreciate it. 
Sounds great. Well, thanks for the 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 opportunity, and and you know you've got great listenership, and and a, a really bu- a bunch of great co- companies that I know follow, and you know use your podcast as as great advice, practical tools to to make things better on a day to day basis. So if I contributed to that in some way, um, then I've done my job for the day, and happy to do it. Well, absolutely, you have. So I appreciate it. And thank you. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>